Some do, some don't. I do. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Hello. Welcome, good evening. Put it here. Maybe I'll join in Skype. Pashas Leklaka. This Shabbos is also your Aleph Marcheshman. Go from your land, from your birthplace, from everything that you stand for, everything that you're raised by, and go to a land I will show you, to mystery. more than mystery to the place which is unknown to you. This Shabbos also, as we said, is Yeralef Marcheshvan. Although we spoke last week, Pashas Neach, being Yaakov Holoch Ledarkei, Yaakov goes on his way. As we see the Yaakov Avinu, the Jewish nation now is left Yomtiv mode and gone into the worldly mode. However, light of the match first. However, that is because open it. Turn it to the left. That is because <laughs> it is the first week. Can you stop it? It is the first week after the other way. No, no. Lefty loose. Look, look. What, look. This way is closing it. This way is to close and this way is to open. I was opening it before. Would you do it already? It's open. It's open. Can I just close it, please? You're wasting my gas. You're wasting my propane. Turn it off, please. <laughs> the journey, though, that we embarked as of last week was still Rishchidosh and therefore had yet a remnant of the month of Tishrei. Being Rishchidosh Cheshven, the last days of Tishrei were still on Sunday and Monday. 
Even Tuesday for that matter. However, this week, the week of Lech Lecha, we have a week which is only Cheshvan. Is there a problem hearing over here? I hope not. Okay. <coughs> Sorry. The question becomes we all know when a person God forbid has an addiction person has to be weaned off of the addiction. Very rarely do we see the concept of cold turkey go successfully. Whether it be smoking, drinking, or anything else. So too, any other item, any other concept to which we are connected to to go away from it and to wean ourselves off it takes time (coughs) but yet we see the month of Tishrei a month which is Malavigadish as we spoke. A month that has Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkis, Shmini Atzeres, and A month, even Shabbos Bereshis. One celebration on top of another. One inspiration greater than the other. And after the entire month, we hit a dead end. We enter to the month of Cheshvan, which has nothing. We spoke last week, we mentioned that one of the reasons it's called Mar Cheshvan is Mar refers to the bitterness of the fact that the month has no holidays. Chedesh Kislev has Chanukah. Tevis has part of Chanukah and even has Asada B'Tevis, which as we know, Yehovchia, Melo, L'Sosin, and L'Simcha, these days will return to happiness and therefore will ultimately become a Yom Tev. Shvat has Tuba Shvat, Rosh Hashanah Leilonis. Oder has Purim, Nisan has Pesach. The month of Ir has, besides like Ba'imer, every day we have the special mitzvah of Svira Sa'imer. And then we have ultimately Pesach Sheni as well. Sivan is Matan And Tammuz is Shavasa Tammuz. Which ultimately, as we said before, will be a day that Yehovah Yamel the Sultan of the Simcha will be reversed to happiness and joy. Of Lehoyam Tevim Lisog Chamishasabav. Mishnah tells us there's no Yamtiv like the 15th day of Av. And El is a month of preparation, a month of which we devote ourselves to preparing for the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. <coughs> so every month has an Aveda, every month has something to it, and the month of Mar hits a dead end. Excuse me. But if the dead end would come, 
after Hanukkah, a few days of the month were happy, and then we have next month of nothing, understandably. But to go from a full month, Molevi Godish, Yamim Tevim, Yam Neroyim, etc., and then go to a complete stop, to a complete cold turkey, <coughs> is extremely difficult. And we know, of course, also that Pasha's Lechlaka is always the first full week of the month of Cheshvan. So we therefore have to see what is the connection between the Lechlecha and the month of Cheshvan, the concept of Cheshvan on its own. Before we go into this, allow us to examine slightly the Pasha. Avram Avinu has to go down, and the first place he ends up is... Because of the hunger, he ends up in Egypt. And he tells his wife, who is a beautiful woman, we can only get in trouble if they're going to see that my wife, they'll want to kill me for you. Say that you are my sister. There's a medrash pliya. The Medrash Pliya says, Mikan, from here we learn, Sheshechtin lechela b'Shabbos. That if a person is deathly sick and needs meat, we're allowed to shecht for him on Shabbos. What is the reason <coughs> that Avram had concerning that he was worried that he would be killed because of his wife. So he was worried that he shouldn't do such a sin of Shvichas Daman, of a spilling of blood. So rather he gave up his wife to God forbid they should sleep with his wife. It'd be an instant of Ashes Ish. Where did he say, where did he justify Gile Arroyos over Shvichas Dom? Elamai, in simple, simple form. If they would have killed him, they could only kill him once. Hence, only one Aveda would be committed. Once in but if they would take Sada, as long as Avram Avinu was still alive, each time someone would live with her, each time someone would be with her, would be another Issa, another Aveda. He knew that, and therefore he knew that they would kill him rather than be Avaris. One Aveda get it over with. From here, we learn out, therefore, in the case of a chayla, a person that is deathly sick, we may slaughter, we may shecht on Shabbos. We don't say, let him eat nevela. On the same basis, when a person, Rahman al eats nevela, meat that is not slaughtered, Every kezayis is another sin. Masha'ekein, if he slaughters it on Shabbos, it's one sin, he slaughters it, that's it. Shechita is the only Aveda. Rather, that a person should be Aveda for every Isr, for every kezayis that he eats, instead, one time the person slaughters, and and he only has that one Aveda. However, the comparison is a little awkward. Because the Avedis that Avram Avinu was dealing with was Shvichas Dom and Megillah Arayas. 
spilling blood and immorality. They're on equal plane. They are both horrific sins. And for both, a person is put to death, Rechman <coughs> So how, therefore, can we learn out when in the case of a sick person, where Shechita and Shabbos is an Isid only of Misa, but eating the Vela is only a love. Eating the Vela is only a mitzvah that we may have to we have to refrain from. So how can we therefore say that we should go we should commit a horrific sin rather than only have this small sin? We must therefore say, when it came to Avram, it was not talking about Easter of death. Because by being with her, not the normal way, the Bnei Neach are not killed for that. By the Bnei Neach, that's not called immorality. And therefore, rather than Shvichas Domim, let them do the small sin, and the same thing also as with the Shkita B'Shabbos. But the ultimate mitzvah that highlights our Pasha is the mitzvah of Bris Mila. The Torah tells us, whoops, the Torah tells us, therefore, that God Almighty commands Avram Avinu each male child at eight days old should be circumcised. What is that? Thank you. You mother Menachis, what? Tells us a very interesting story. David, the base Hamerchat, as King David entered the bathhouse, 
Omar, he said, Oily. How terrible it is to me. Sha'amait Orum Bli Mitzvah. I'm standing naked without a mitzvah. However, says the Gemara, Vikavin Shinisket Mamila, as soon as he reminded himself he had the mitzvah of Mila, Shebib Sorei Nisyashra Daite. As soon as he reminded, reminded himself that he had done the mitzvah of Mila on his flesh, he calmed down. <coughs> King David. Dovra Melech. The author of Tehillim. The holy soul is it possible the only holiness he could find was his brismila in the bathhouse? His heart and soul was still connected with God. Could I think about it? Correct. He can't think about it, but his essence was permeated with this. He wants something that he can see. Walks on the street yesterday. He didn't have to see it. He didn't say he saw it. He says he remembered it was there. What are you trying to say? He's fat? <laughs> Things your class. We could say perhaps the mitzvah, other mitzvahs, the merit of the mitzvah stood with him, even after he does it. It's the result of the mitzvah, like putting on tefillin, the heart and the mind are bound together while he's wearing them. Once the person takes off his tefillin, he's not wearing tefillin. But the midst of middle always stays with the person. <coughs> but more than that, more than just the midst is with him, the midst of Mila is not just to take off the foreskin. The midst of Mila is to be circumcised. And therefore, every second that David Amalek is circumcised, every person, every Jewish boy or man is circumcised, every minute that they're walking around circumcised, they have another mitzvah. And therefore, a person that has a brismillah is constantly performing a mitzvah. Now I understand why David calmed down when he thought about the Bismillah. Because the schus of the Miller stands for the person throughout his life. A famous bris that took place some 900 plus years ago, was to a very poor couple, a poor humble couple, it was 23 years after their marriage, and they were finally blessed with a baby girl, a baby boy, very nasty. They were blessed with their first child, a baby boy. It was the eighth day. 
The table was set. The guests were there. But for some reason, the father was not ready to start. He looks at the door and looked at the door and paced back and forth and continuously looking at the door. Finally, it was quite ready halfway through the day. A ragged beggar walks in the door. And the father of the child says, Oh, now we can start. Needless to say, all the dignitaries that were there were quite shocked. And for this ragged beggar that we're waiting. And the man walked over, the father walked over to the beggar and brought him to the seat of covet, of respect, of honor and honored him with being Sandak of his child. Came to calling the name, and the name they gave was Shlomo. After the bris, oh boy, again. After the bris, just like he appeared, he disappeared, the sandak was gone. People began to inquire, and during the meal, this is the story they were told. For many years, said the man, we were married. We were happy, but we never had. We never had any money, we never had a proper house, we never had proper furniture, but nothing rocked our boat. The only thing that rocked our boat, man, was that God forbid we were not blessed with a child. One day I couldn't take it. I fell into a terrible depression. I went for a walk. I was walking along the river, and suddenly in the river bed, <coughs> I saw an item, an object. I bent down, It was a large, large stone. But it wasn't a stone. It looked much more than just a stone. I put it in my pocket. I rushed home. My wife and I shined it, cleaned it. After shining it and cleaning it, we realized it was actually a precious stone. We knew the precious stone could not last in our house. There was nothing for us to do with it, and there was no way for us to protect it. So immediately, I went to a jeweler to have it appraised. And the jeweler told me, you indeed found a major jewel. You are talking here about money. That you will be set for life with.
I told the jeweler where I lived. Short while later, the jeweler showed up in the house with a big bag, gold coins. And we told him, my friend, for the diamond, this is yours. Needless to say, we were very happy, very excited to finally have had proper riches, we say. But as he was taking the diamond in his hand and looking at it, he said, he said something that blew our minds. The priest is going to be so happy now. This is the exact stone that he must be looking for, for the idol in his church. We heard those words, we said, oh, no, 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 no. We can sell something and enhance an idol. God forbid. Forget it. We don't want to sell it. He begged, he pleaded, he tried to offer more money. He said, for the church, we're not selling it. And we thought that all was lost. Two days later, the Duke meets me in the street. And tells me, I have a business proposition for you. I need to go on a business trip. But I'm going to be doing business with a lot of Jews. And I need a Jew to come along with me. I heard you're honest, you're integral. I'd like you to join me. And I'll pay you. And as a matter of fact, he gave him a down payment. And the Jews saw that this is a substantial amount of money he was going to make from this journey. He acquiesced, he agreed, and off they went. As they're floating at sea, with nowhere to return, the Duke turns to the Jew, and he says, listen Jew, I understand you're in possession of a very, very precious stone. I'm offering you a king's ransom for that stone. A bag of gold coins that you would never get in your life. But I beg you, sell me the stone. I need it. The priest wants it very much and I need to give it to him. Needless to say, there was nowhere to turn, nowhere to run. And the Duke understood that the Jew was not going to leave this precious stone at home alone with his wife. So he understood very well that the Jew had it with him on his possession. And he figured he's now got the Jew just where he wants him. Somewhere that he can't go anywhere else. The Jew is in a dilemma. What do he do? But he doesn't want to give it to the church, God forbid. So the Jew reaches into his pouch, takes out the diamond, and holds the big sack of gold next to him, and he picks up the diamond to the sun to see it glimpsing, 
glimmering. And he kisses the stone as if, I'm giving you away now, you're no longer going to be mine. And as he's chachkinzach with the stone, as he's saying, he accidentally on purpose trips. He trips and the stone falls from his hand into the sea. And he lets out a wail, a horrific scream. No, my stone, my stone! And he did a very, very authentic job at this. So much so, that the Duke believed that he indeed did this by accident. And the man forfeited this entire fortune. Because he would not give this up to, this, to the idol worship. Upon arriving home, he was told that he would be blessed with a son for the sacrifice that he had done. Lo and behold, a year later, the son was born. The night before the bris, a man with a flowing white beard appeared. And the man said to him, This child, as you know, was born for your mysterious nefesh, your abnegation. And therefore, the child is entitled upon your wish to anything you want. He can become rich, he can become famous, he can become wise. Immediately, the man screamed, Wisdom! I want my child to have wisdom. And the man smiled at me and said, Very well. Because you chose wisdom, let his name be the, that one of the wisest in the world. Let him be named Shlomo. After Shlomo HaMelech. The man then told me, please wait for me by the bris, I want to be the Sandik. And that is why I waited until he arrived and I recognized him in his torn shmatis. I recognized this was indeed the man. And therefore we rewarded, we asked him, we honored him with the Sandikos. And the name Shlomo was given. The man's name was Yitzchak. And his son is referred to as Reb Shlomo Yitzchaki. Don't. Shlomo, the son of Yitzchak. Or more formally known as Rashi. As Avraham Avinu goes on his journey, embarks on his journey in our Pasha, the Almighty blesses him with two different forms. First, Kafara Oretz, like the sand on the earth. And then he tells him, like you can count the stars in the heaven, so will be your children. Why were the Jews compared to either one? Firstly, Ka'afar Ha'oretz. Afar. Sand. Is always stepped on. Always trodden upon. But ultimately, the Afar outlives the one that treads upon it. 
and consumes the one that treads upon it. Adam And therefore, as all, although the offer is stepped upon by the person, ultimately the offer consumes the person. Just like the offer will always exist, so to the Jewish nation, no matter how many times it's stepped on and trodden upon, will always continue to exist. The Jews are, confer- are referred to as Eretz Chefetz, a land of great want, desired. And as you dig in Eretz Chefetz, you dig in proper land, you're always going to find a treasure, whether it be oil, whether it be stones, jewels, whatever it might be, you'll always find when you dig in proper land. And so too in every Jew, no matter where they are, in every Jew that we know, there is a hidden treasure that we must see to, that we dig up, and that we awaken. These are peanut butter. What are these? Chocolate chip. A rabbi once had in his town a very, very big problem. His problem that he had was with missionaries. The missionaries were on a terrible mission and they were constantly out to try to convert the Jews. And the issue was the Jews were not very well learned. And when a person, Rahman al is an ignoramus, it's not hard to convince them. And the one rabbi in town that had a personal issue, a personal vendetta, he fought against the missionaries. Finally, one day, the head of the missionaries came to visit the rabbi. And he said, Rabbi, Let's call a spade a spade. You preach, I preach. You You reach to your people, I'll reach to my, I'll reach to your people. If I can convince your people better than you can, so let it be. If you can preach to your people better than I can, then you'll keep them Jewish. But allow me to preach. The rabbi said, I can't. He said, why not? He said, if you would get a Jew to convert, God forbid, what would you do? Well, we'd take him, we'd teach him, and we'd ceremoniously sprinkle him with the holy waters. Ah, that's just it, said the rabbi. You see, the Torah compares the Jews it's like the dust on the ground. If you spray water on sand, it becomes mud. I can't stand by and watch you make mud out of the Jews. So therefore, I fight you tooth and nail not to make mud out of my Jewish nation. <coughs> Compared to the stars, Also three different ways. The stars as we sit outside on a nice clear night, not in Brooklyn of course, maybe Atlanta, Georgia, but not in Brooklyn. You can see it in Queens. In Queens they say they can see it. Not so much. Yeah. You can see a night, sometimes beautiful stars. I did was not to Kiddush Devana tonight again. You can see the beautiful stars. But so far, they are so far away. And they look so small. Yet each star is so much bigger than the earth. And so to a Jew, from distance may look small. But as you get to know each and every Jew, you see the greatness within them. And the Hayyim is brought down 
that when the stars shine at night, even at a night when the moon is not there, not illuminating the sky, the stars give off light, give off direction that a person can follow. So too each and every Jew has an obligation to give this guiding light to his fellow Jew. And ultimately again, the inner beauty of each and every Jew, we only see from close up. What's known as the Pintalayid is seen when we are standing closer to the Jew. From far, sometimes we don't know that it actually is there. You will be blessed with a son to which Abraham laughs. And Sarah laughs. You will call him Yitzchak. And you shall laugh. Why future? Why Yitzchak in the future? Avram and Sarah were path blazers, trailblazers. They were blazing a trail of a new light, of a God, of a one God in the world. They were forming a nation. And they were amassing quite a gathering. They amassed quite a following. But then the people around started to say, Heh, you know this Abraham and Sarah, they're on a mission. But they're getting older. And they have no children to continue their mission. So as they die, their mission will be worthless. Their mission will peter out, and there will be no one to continue it. And they will laugh, these people would laugh about how Avram and Sarah will have no continuity of what they are doing. All their whole life labor will be worthless, be for naught. So therefore, says Hashem, you're going to have a son, a Yitzchok, that will laugh in the future. He will laugh at all these people and say, you see, I am the one that is continuing. Although my parents looked like they were going to be leaving the world, God forbid, barren. Leaving the world, God forbid, without any children. <coughs> I am the one that is going to laugh at you. As we know, he who laughs last didn't get the joke. Uh-oh. Nobody's laughing. I guess they didn't get the joke. Anyway. Well, they heard it too many times. The Almighty tells Avram, Avram, I'll give you miser from everything. What does, says the Medrash, the Almighty give to Avram? He gives him the letter Hey from his name. The letter Hey from the Almighty's name, therefore forming from Avram to Avraham, and thereby blessing him with children. How does that come, Maisel? How does that become a tithe? From what is that a tithe? It's a 10% of what? We know that by Avram, the Pasik tells us, Hashem Beirach es Avram, Bakoil. The Almighty blessed Avram Bakoil with everything. And we know the Pasik says, V'yitin kol asher lei liyitzchok. Yitzchok got kol asher lei. And Yaakov says, Yesh li kol. So the kol... Chof Lamid was by both all three, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. The numerical value of the letter Chof is 20 and of Lamid is 30, which is 50. 
Maiser Mikael, a tithe from the word Kael, from 50 is 5. And therefore he gives him the letter Hey. With the letter Hey, upgrading his name to Avraham so that he can now bear children. friend of mine of a Chazan in Israel boarded a plane El Al Israel and Shalom and of course the announcement was made in every other plane the first announcement you hear is please take your seats fasten your seat belts we're going to teach you to tell you the safety instructions about the plane on El Al the first announcement that you hear is we're overbooked. If anybody wants to get a free ticket, please raise your hand and we'll uh, arrange for your accommodations. <laughs> You'll get on the next available flight. <laughs> that was without fail. LL used to have a uh, acronym. <coughs> every liftoff always late, every landing always late. That was what LL stood for. He got on the plane and he had a middle seat. To his left was a Hasidic Jew with a nice curly pace. And to his right was a modern woman which he was not even sure whether or not she was Jewish. As he got into his seat before fastening his seatbelt, he turned to the left, he said good morning, and to the right and said good morning. And sat down. As the flight took off, he took out his magazine, a Chabad publication, and was reading from it. About a half hour, the woman turns to him, as if to now answer to his good morning, and says, uh, That's the Lubavitcher ever, right? And he says, Yes, of course. You're a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe? He says, of course. So let me tell you a story my husband had with him. Your husband? Yeah. Her husband, Nebuch, was not alive any longer. He had recently passed away. She was traveling to Israel to make a big donation to an organization, a religious organization in Israel. Her husband was a level atheist. Not borderline atheist, but level high-level atheist. Believed in nothing, had nothing to do with Judaism. However, somehow somebody convinced him to go to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was a doctor, he and his wife were doctors. They were running a clinic. And he came to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe spoke to him, and he was amazed the way the Rebbe spoke to him. And at the end of the audience, the Rebbe gave him three dollars. One for him, one for his family, and one for the clinic. And he knew these dollars are very, very precious. And so he kept them always for safekeeping. This was his sole affiliation with Judaism. Because the Lubavitch Rebbe impressed him very much. A few years went by, and he came to the drawer to check on his precious dollars, and lo and behold, they were gone. And they asked the children, and one of the daughters said, Oh yeah, I wanted to go to the store, I couldn't find any money, I opened the drawer. I saw three dollars weren't bothering anybody, so I took them to go to the store. The man had lost his precious dollars. She says he was devastated. But devastated beyond, it was horrific. And to go back to the Rebbe and say, my dollars are lost, give me more dollars, didn't make sense to him, didn't work. But he was not happy. He was just not 
complete. He knew those dollars meant a lot. Finally, the wife says, I convinced him that the Rebbe goes every Sunday and gives out dollars. He should go to Crown Heights and he should get a dollar from the Rebbe. He'll have at least one dollar. And he agreed. And he came to Crown Heights on a Sunday and he stood on that long, long line. And finally he got in front of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe gave him this knowing and loving look. As is to say, I know who you are. And the Rebbe handed him three dollars. Just gave him the three dollars. Didn't ask him any questions or say anything. So he knew that the Rebbe knew exactly what he came for. Well, the lady finished her story and the man turned the other way. And the man, the Hasidic Shaskvera Chassid, said to him, Eh, I also have a story. I'm a Malamid. I teach in Square, Square Chassid. A good friend of mine once got a dollar from the Rebbe, and he used to keep it in his wallet all the time. After Gimel Thomas, after 1994, Toshin and Dalit, he was checking his wallet one day and realized the dollar was gone. <clears throat> he was devastated how to replace such a thing. And the dollar that he had was so precious to him, he remembered exactly the day that he got the dollar even. This was a special occasion to him each year. And here he had lost his dollar. He decided to go to Crown Heights. Just to, who knows what. He went into one of the stores to purchase something. And he purchased and he received change. And one of the dollar bills that he got looked different. He took it and he saw there was a handwriting in the corner of the dollar bill. And the person wrote, I received this dollar from the Lubavitch Rebbe on the exact same date that that man had his dollar. Oh, wow. His lost dollar was now replaced with a dollar that the Rebbe gave on that very same day. Lech lecha me'artzcha me'lardcha me'besavicha is a total transformation that the Neshama does from level to level, from the highest of height to the lowest of low. And has to go to Eretz HaSharareka, which is to this world. And therefore it happens, Dafke and Cheshven, a month where there are no holidays at all. And it goes from the month full of holidays to a total drop, so that we can actually fulfill Yaakov Holach Ledarkei, we can actually fulfill going on our proper path, taking with us everything that we were inspired through the month of Tishrei, and taking it through the entire year, but being propelled directly into a month of devastation, practically speaking, with no Yom Tiv and no holidays, and no special moments, and we go directly from this holy month into this month of voidness, but we go with the Kedusha. We go with Aretz Asher Eka. We're going from Artzacha, We're going from all these high, beautiful spiritual planes. And with this we are taking with us, so that we are given the strength to go and to overcome any obstacles. And thereby we'll be blessed in the schus of Yeral of Cheshven, which is the yard site of Rachel Imenu, the yard site of our mother Rachel, and we know Rachel Mevakal Baneho, Rachel cries for her children, and we send the Almighty answers her, Yeshachon Lefula Seich, there's reward for all you have done, Vishavu Vanim Ligvulam, and your children will return to their boundaries, to their borders, 
And may that be so on her yard site. Our prayers be answered by the Almighty, and we should be taken to the Holy Land on this very Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom to all. Why is he covering his color